everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillett, CEO of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. I'm certainly glad that you are back with us for another week. Uh, this last week, Brittany was on talking about how to kind of feed and nurture, nourish your body into uh, pregnancy. And I hope that that was um, encouraging and fulfilling for you. I hope that you were able to take um, a couple pieces of information and implement those in your life. Today, as I did with Kristen Breast a couple of weeks ago, I have a sweet friend of mine who's joining me for today's podcast. She is uh, a mama who uh, became a mom through the story of loss. Um, And I'm just really excited for you to hear from her today. Um, So let me introduce you all to my sweet friend, Jane. Jane, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Kathy. Hi, everyone. Oh, so Jane and I were introduced um, through the loss of her daughter, Francie. And I've invited Jane here today to tell us about uh, Francie, their daughter, whom they lost, um, and then tell the story of how they decided to try to conceive again. They had a miscarriage after that, spoiler alert, and tried again. And now their son, whom I'll let you tell about also, has been earthside for about five months. So it was a long story getting you to this point. And Jane, I just want to invite you to share Francie with us and kind of your story. Definitely. So my husband and I got pregnant in June 2019. Um, and Francie was, um, her due date was March 18th, 2020. Um, so had a very routine pregnancy, healthy, no complications, um, normal 20 week anatomy scan. And we were just blissfully enjoying this pregnancy and looking forward to our first child. We didn't know the gender of this baby, um, and was actually headed, um, to Indiana where I went to college for a baby, my baby shower mm. and I was leaving town and I, I thought to myself, I haven't felt the baby move. And, you know, that was a little abnormal. I thought, and was trying to talk myself out of it or eat a little sugar. I'm just, so I'm sure it's fine. Um, I was not familiar with stillbirth or you know, at this point in time, I was a little over 31 weeks and I kind of thought 30 weeks was the so-called safe zone. So Mm. I, you know, was just trying to keep myself distracted and I'm sure it's fine. Um, kept moving on. Well, eventually I felt the baby move. Um, and so, and I had an appointment on that next Wednesday. So, went to my 32 week appointment, you know, a little nervous, you know, just want to make sure everything was okay, but had no idea, Mm. um, that we would hear there's no heartbeat, um, at that appointment. So total shock, even though I did feel a little bit, um, of a change in movement and, you know, we had the option of Mm. inducing labor, um, you know, right then and there, um, or, you know, having C-section, um, had a really great doctor who was willing to work with us and I just couldn't do it right then and there. We didn't have our bags packed and obviously Mm. it was an outcome we 
didn't even know existed, which I feel so naive now looking back. But um, so we delivered her on January 23rd, her birthday. Mm. Um, So she just um, turned two this past Mm. past month. Um, And honestly, in hindsight, I'm like very happy because I like the 22nd of January is the worst day of our life. And then Mm. the 23rd, we really can separate um, as a joyous day when we got to meet um, our daughter. So she was one pound and 15 ounces, um, which is really small for a 32 week, um, baby. And ultimately we did some testing after that. Um, you know, her placenta was really small, but otherwise normal, her genetics were, um, were normal. So we were left without a lot of answers, um, for the cause of her death. Um, and because of that, we, you know, our doctors recommended that we do some um, further testing and, you know, just wait a little while before we thought about trying again. Um, And, you know, our, my doctor advised just, you know, Mm -hmm. at least six months, eight, eight is better. um, Mm -hmm. Just so you can process a little bit and, um, you know, really grieve and move on. So, well, I don't want to say move on. You never move on. Uh, but, but step back into trying. Yes, exactly. And just be able to hold space um, for Francie and also for hope of another baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very fortunately, all of our tests came back normal, which meant that, you know, we could try again um, mm-hmm. and just hope we not get struck by lightning twice. Um, I, yeah was going to be high risk. Um, so we'd have some extra care and monitoring for the next pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and I know that you and your husband did not take that decision lightly. There was a lot of thought that went into and a lot of emotion that Mm -hmm. went into how, and when do we try again? Mm -hmm. Cause it just felt generally risky to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I battled some like anxiety And I just wasn't sure if I could do it again. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so much vulnerability and because we don't know, you know, what happened to Francie, Uh it made it seem like, well, how do we prevent it from happening, happening again? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like, oh, I can just take this pill um, and I'd be guaranteed a baby. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm also kind of a a rule follower. (laughs) So (laughs) if we decided to try before those eight months, you know, that were recommended by our doctors and something did happen, would I be able to live with that? Right. Um, I associate a lot of Francie's death, you know, with kind of my own fault. And I know that's mm-hmm. not true, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, knowing and believing are t- very two different things. So, right. you know, um, I'm her mom and I felt like I failed her. Um, and so trying to like, for me to put my body through that. And it's not just me, right. To it's my husband, you know, I felt like I failed him in some sense too. Like Mm. our family unit is not longer a unit. Um, Mm. and we're always going to have a child who's not here and a hole in our hearts, um, that I feel responsible for now. I've worked through that. Um, Mm. and the truth is, is that you're not responsible and I'm aware of the people who, are listening, thinking, I get that my baby passed away in my womb. Mm -hmm. 
And there's something so cruel in this world when your womb becomes a tomb, Mm -hmm. right? Not to be silly with a play on words, but when that happens, of course, the mama takes responsibility, right? But there is nothing I know from walking this with you and with so many women and even in my own losses, which are different. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's nothing that we could have done to keep the babies alive. And if love was enough, Francie would be living a full life here on earth with you. Right. So anyway, (laughs) um, we decided, okay, we're, you know, we can love Francie and another baby. Um, and we felt like we're ready to kind of step back up to the plate and try again. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did. And, you know, fortunately, um, we got pregnant, you know, pretty soon after we, um, started trying, you know, things were fine. Um, I, with Francie didn't have a lot of pregnancy symptoms. Um, so I never had the traditional morning sickness or, um, you know, I was tired, but nothing too crazy. And so with this baby in the early weeks, the pregnancy again, kind of felt the same no, um, no nausea. And part of me was like begging to feel sick. Right. Right. Uh, I just, any sign that I'm pregnant would be awesome. Mm. Um, any positive reinforcement. Right. So, but you know, trying to hold to what I know is true. And the truth is, is that morning sickness or any type of other traditional pregnancy symptoms mm. does not mean anything <laughs> for most yeah. people. Right. So, um, we walked into our eight week appointment to do that ultrasound and, um, the baby was measuring small. So about five to six weeks in size when I was eight weeks, um, from my last period, Mm. which growth is like a major trigger for me. Right. Just because frenzy was so small. Um, The doctor said like, this could just be a late bloomer. Like maybe you actually didn't ovulate when you thought you did. And, you know, we're going to take some blood work and I want you to come back in a week and and we'll confirm whether or not. Isn't that an awful wait? Oh my God. Yeah. And it was Thanksgiving. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Um, And COVID. So we're like sitting at home. How Um, do you find gratitude then? Right. The best thing someone told me was like, you do not have to feel thankful. Mm right now. And I'm like, oh, good. Cause I don't. I'm, yeah. You're in purgatory uh, at that point. Um, and it's hard to find gratitude then. Right. So my labs came back. Uh, my progesterone had dropped significantly. So I kind of knew um, mm. that things weren't looking good for this um, baby that we call pumpkin head. Cause we got pregnant in October. <laughs> So on Tuesday, we go back and look at pumpkin head and there's no heartbeat and the baby had shrunk even more. So, um, you know, it was determined at that point, um, I could wait to pass it on my own or, um, have a DNC and we opted for the DNC. Um, and I will tell you that like, those are some very dark, dark, dark days, um, after, the miscarriage. Um, I felt like I went right back to rock bottom. Like it really triggered my grief from Francie. Mm. I had very low faith of, you know, maybe I can't grow a healthy baby. Mm. You know, both of these pregnancies I've had are super small. 
I don't know why or what is happening. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to that sense of failure again. And, you right. know, what does this mean for our family? Um, Cause I've always known I want to have kids. I want to have a big family. And it just felt like maybe it's not in the cards for me or, and, or certainly not in the way I imagined it. Right. right. It was the holidays and it was just, I didn't know what was next for um, us. And we're still waiting on the results from the DNC and the testing and come to find out we were about to go home for the holidays and we see my doctor like on Friday and she's like, I needed you to come in. I didn't want to tell you over the phone, but um, it turns out that this baby's um, genetics were abnormal. Trisomy 13, which is like the most common cause of miscarriage. Mm. This loss is unrelated to your stillbirth. Mm. Um, was that a relief for you? Oh my God. I mean, yes. It, um, it sounds so horrible and dark and twisted, but we honestly laughed. We were like, oh my gosh, like, are you serious? <laughs> like, because mm. everything to this point has been pretty bad news. Mm. Um, it just, just like a massive sigh of relief. Okay. This is nothing I did. Right. I caused this is, you know, happens in one in four pregnancies is miscarriage mm-hmm. within the scarages. This is the most common, you know, when you compare those statistics to silvers, it's a drastic, I'm blanking on the um, specific stat, but isn't it like one out of 160, Kathy? Something someone? like that. Yeah. Right. So less than 1%. Um, yeah. And like one out of 24,000 silvers happen each year in the U S when you compare that to the number of miscarriages, right? It's right. It is sad. I was tired of being a statistic. Um, and that's the thing, <laughs> regardless of where you fall in a statistic, that baby did not come out of you right. alive. Right. And whether you're one in a bajillion or one in two, uh, every additional statistic, every something that stands in your way, every obstacle right. feels like I cannot overcome this. Right. It's like, why me and why my family? Right. Um, I I have learned a lot about life in the past few years (laughs) and Um, not any lessons anybody wants, but you are growing in an abundance of them. Yes. Yes. So you, you lose pumpkin head, which I love (laughs) the names you have for your babies. (laughs) Yes. Um, and so with that trisomy 13 kind of diagnosis, the good news was, you know, uh, essentially like my body was not very invested with in that pregnancy. Um, you know, I didn't think my, my body didn't think I was pregnant. Um, yeah. probably from that five or six weeks, I just hadn't, you know, lost the baby up until, um, mm-hmm. we had the procedure. So a missed miscarriage is the yeah. technical term. Um, but because of that, I didn't, my body didn't need to recover from having birth. Um, I felt like I could process it. Right. Like with the diagnosis, you know, my stillbirth, uh, and frequency and pumpkin head were very different and I could separate the two. Um, so mentally and emotionally, I felt like, and physically, you know, it was like, okay, you can just have your period and mm-hmm. try again. Um, and I did not want to put a lot of pressure on the next pregnancy, but in my head, I kind of walked into, you know, I'm willing to try this again, but if this doesn't happen, like I wanted a baby like years ago. Right. And I know so many of you who listen to the story, um, 
fight um, to have your children in. You want, when you want to have a baby, you think it will happen in nine months um, right. and not take years or multiple pregnancies just to bring a baby home. Right. Um, so I walked into the next season of, you know, I'm willing to try it and put myself through it and put my husband through it one more time. And if that doesn't happen, then I think we need to explore other avenues. And hmm. like I said, I was in a pretty dark place. So, you know, maybe I'm not the best person to carry this baby. Maybe adoption is, you know, what we should do. You know, we were starting mm-hmm. to think about other paths. Um, we decided, okay, let's try because we have no reasons why we can't have a baby. Right. Um, other than really shitty luck. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so we conceived and actually on Francie's first birthday weekend, hmm. um, took a test and we were pregnant. Hmm. And now we have a five month old little boy trip, um, trip who I just met I know. On, on this call. <laughs> Although um, I've adored him in pictures since before he yes. entered this world. What was his nickname in the womb? Coconut. Coconut. That's right. So we didn't find out the genders for any of our babies. And Martin and I had gone to Florida mm-hmm. after we lost Francie. Thanks for the device of Kathy um, to get away. And I highly recommend anyone who's going through a period of loss, get out of your house, mm-hmm. connect, try um, to refresh in mm-hmm. some way. Um, that's not your house because your house um, can be very triggering. Mm-hmm. So for Francie's first birthday and kind of coming out of Pumpkinhead, we're like, let's go back to Florida, have time to connect again. And you know, just feel the sun on our faces um, yeah. being outside. It's so powerful uh, in any season. Um, but especially when you're grieving anyway. So our favorite restaurant restaurant down there is called coconuts. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. So it just kind of stuck. Um, yeah. So coconut was born September 16th, 2021. Oh, They're about 20, 20 months apart. And what a journey in hindsight. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are thank the Lord on a part of your journey mm-hmm. where you can look back from mm-hmm. a place like you are on a mountaintop with trip and you mm-hmm. can see, uh, the journey. I was going to mm-hmm. say the Valley, but I don't want to call Francie and pumpkin had the valley, mm-hmm. but it was definitely the journey. And it was mm-hmm. just totally full of pain and grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to walk through this in certain points, very intimately with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you were intentional from the beginning mm-hmm. to work through this mm-hmm as Francie's mama, but also with Martin, Mm -hmm. tell us some things. I mean, I know that you were in a support group. I know Mm -hmm. that you went to therapy uh, with somebody whom I adore Um, and I'm um, grateful for your work with her. Like, what did you do to work through this in a really positive way? Kathy was, um, we got connected through my doctor actually at the hospital. So Mm -hmm. She came to our delivery room and was kind of like our coach, you know, um, what to do with your baby who you're going to deliver and they're not going to cry when you come out. And so like, I was part of an organization called the Rated Bridge yes. and I created a task force 
that we would, with a stillbirth, we would go into, and this is still a thing in Nashville. Uh, last I heard, I hope, uh, COVID kind of ruined it. So I don't know, probably not actually back in the hospital, but created, um, and a volunteer team who would go in and help resource, uh, Mm -hmm. parents who were experiencing a stillbirth. So that Mm -hmm. is how I originally met, Mm -hmm. uh, Jane and Martin Mm -hmm. while they were actually getting ready for labor. Yes. So Francie's so dear because when not many people, even like your closest friends and family have met your child, Mm -hmm. um, you become attached to that person in a way, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Kathy was a stranger before January 23rd. Mm -hmm. Um, but now you're part of the family, Kathy, like it or not. It's such Um, an honor. I mean, I got to walk in the trenches with Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Um, in that room when your best friends weren't Mm -hmm. there, not that they wouldn't have showed up. Okay. Let's be honest, but your doctor called me and said, come now. Right. So, and definitely helped carry, carried us through, um, that journey. So as Kathy mentioned, she's part of the rooted bridge organization who had some really great resources. Um, but then COVID hit that March, um, and nobody knew what they were doing. And so a lot of the support groups or meetups, um, turned into a virtual zoom, mm-hmm. um, group. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, there was probably like eight to 10 women, um, mm-hmm. in the Nashville area who either recently, um, lost their son or daughter to suburb through one woman was, you know, 10 years out, um, from her son's loss, which is really great. Um, because, you know, we got it all. I was eight weeks, um, post, Francie being born and then someone whose um, son was 10 and she's had um, two children since um, her son passed away. So it was really nice to have those different perspectives and talk to people who get it. Um, We met once a week. um, And honestly, like that was my, you know, lifeboat um, Mm. during that time Um, prior to going through it. I never knew anyone who had a stillbirth. I mean, my grandma's friends, like I literally thought it was something that happened because of like Mm -hmm. technology or something. Oh my gosh. Um, Many, you know, like we're past that. Right. Mm. Um, But no. (laughs) Um, And so getting connected with these women and also their spouses too, Mm. like um, you've become close to them. Yeah, we have been, which is awesome. And I think a good takeaway from this is find your people, mm-hmm. find the people For who sure. know, I mean, as you're talking about our friend, Rachel, who lost yeah. her son, I wasn't sure we should say her name. Oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm not going to put out her phone number or whatever, but she was years ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And there were also women in the group. There's a girl who was one year ahead of you, somebody mm-hmm. who lost just around the same. I mean, I had gone to her hospital room also, mm-hmm. and she was just about a month before you. And so there were people from all these different stages, but you guys got to walk together in the most mm-hmm. intimate mm-hmm. of grieving periods. And these strangers understood you mm-hmm. better than your friends and family did. Right. Because they had said goodbye to the baby. They had left the, the hospital without their baby. Right. Um, and when we did want to start trying again, you no, know, they had gone, some of them 
had either in the process of doing that and were on their second pregnancies or uh, like we talked about, Rachel has, you know, mm-hmm. two um, daughters selling her son will. So it kind yeah. of presided like, okay, we can do this. Um, mm-hmm. But they also really understood the fears or yeah, um, because with loss or grief um, and when kind of bad things happen, you have all these new thoughts, right. Um, or feelings and they aren't pretty. Um, and anyone to normalize those, um, or provide encouragement, um, Mm -hmm. or says, yes, I've Mm -hmm. felt that way too, or you're not a bad person or bad mom. Um, Right. And you, you believe them, right. Because they've Mm -hmm. also lost a child. Right. Right. I mean, I've said this quote so many times, even on this podcast, but C.S. Lewis says friendship is born at the moment. When one person says to another, wait, what? Me too. I paraphrase it terribly every time, but I say it the same way every time. But when we can identify, like, I don't know you, but our stories connect. Like I'm a mom of a special needs child. And if there's another mom that's like, Hey, I have a kiddo on the spectrum. I'm like, did we just become best friends? Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're somebody who gets the trenches that I walk in. Mm-hmm. And you found that in the support group, right? You also felt support. I mean, you were intentional at starting therapy yeah. shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. And so tell me without going into those, those trenches, but how was that a crutch for you? A crutch, not in a bad way. Alcohol can be a crutch. How was it a support system for you? Yeah. Um, and I mean, if somebody's like, Hey, I'm having a stillbirth right now or whatever, like, why should they go to therapy after? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I went to a therapist who does like specialize in, mm-hmm. um, either infertility or stillbirth, miscarriage, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I found that to be really helpful because while our stories are different, um, they could also relate. Um, but it's just a sounding board and they're a neutral party. They don't yep. know you, mm-hmm. bef- they don't know ver- the version before loss or the version after. Yeah. Right. Mm, um, yep. you know, and the reality is too, like with your stillbirth or miscarriage, you know, you, you feel it, but it also impacts others um, and, you know, your relationships are going to change mm. and people are going to say things that make you mad or upset you and hurt yep. your feelings mm. or, um, you know, people can't show up for you in the same way. Yeah. Um, and also you'll find your patience just like you don't have time for people um, you, that aren't right. going to see your therapist just helps you work through mm. all of that. And then one thing that was really helpful for me is I battled some anxiety um, following, you know, Francie's loss and just catastrophic thoughts, you know, yeah. like if Martin didn't answer his cell phone when I called him and we were apart, you know, mm. the next thing you know, I'm Googling car crashes um, no. and just really like wow. thinking really you know, kind of worst case scenario, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's not super normal all the time. Um, mm. so that's not that, normal for you, right? That's no. not normal functioning. No. Um, and not healthy and, mm. um, you know, because you are scared of, you know, losing anything after you, lose a child. Um, I definitely worked through some like medication treatment, um, so through my doctor and also just like finding how can I calm myself down, um, Mm -hmm. and like creating a safe space 
centering my thoughts, you know, holding on to what I know is true, as I kind of talked about yeah. um, earlier. And like, I, I really needed mm-hmm. to be in a good headspace as much mm-hmm. as possible <laughs> um, walking into the next pregnancy. You know, I wanted to do as much of the grunt work mm-hmm. and the hard work to prepare not only my body, but my mind and my emotions mm. and my marriage. And yeah, before we like step back up to that legend yeah. and, and like put ourselves out there yeah, because, um, scary as hell. Um, yeah. You've been and, so diligent about your mental health and yeah. your relationships. No, anyone, everyone should have their therapist <laughs> regardless <laughs> of your story of what you've oh, been Oh my through. gosh. I could jump on a giant soapbox talking about that, yeah. not just because I'm a therapist, but because I'm a, as a therapist, I'm aware of right. mental health uh, fights that we struggle with. Now, before we kind of land this plane, let me ask you and Martin are really intentional to mm-hmm. celebrate Francie and always have been mm-hmm. the celebration of uh, her life. Um, Rachel and I, who we talked about, got to go to Francie's first birthday party um, how have you, I mean, you integrate her memory and her life mm-hmm. into your life. I mean, I saw once Trip was born family pictures with Francie, a, a picture frame mm-hmm. of Francie in it. Talk to me about integrating, um, Francie's memory and mm-hmm. her life as your, your first daughter, your first child. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I will say if, to anyone who's listening to this podcast, do what is right for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And there is no right or wrong. Mm. Um, but what looks like right to me is integrating Francie as much as possible. Um, so yeah, we had a birthday party for her mm. um, when she turned one. Um, and, you know, it's a celebration of her, but also kind of a celebration of our community of mm. me and Martin. Um and cause it was a really hard year. Um, yeah. and even on our darkest days, and this can be really hard, um, you know, choosing to see Francie is a good thing. And mm. she is, um, because like, we didn't know that love you have for a child, you know, mm. that's how we became parents. Yeah. Uh, don't want to get too emotional, but yeah, I'm watching uh, you take your time. <laughs> um, so for us, you know, like we have a, our friends gifted us a tree, like a cherry tree that blooms around her due date, big pink cherry blossoms. And we had friends over when the tree is in full bloom. And, you know, I want her to be remembered. I feel like that's my biggest fear. This is her parent. Is that mm-hmm. She doesn't matter. So, and Jane, she always, matters. I know she is your baby. And I know that you and Martin will be so intentional about, I mean, I I've said it before, you know, this Jane, but I am, I'm tripping your family, right? Right. Like right. my parents had a stillbirth, but it wasn't something that I ever knew. I mean, I found out about it in junior high, right? It was like, my mom honored it and nobody else knew what to do with it. Right. And it was like the elephant in every room around November that kind of sucked out all the air. And here's the benefit and the emotional maturity that you're going to give trip and the beautiful piece that you're going to integrate into your family. And that's always going to be the acknowledgement that hard happened. You guys are like augering into the memory and making 
making the pain of it beautiful, not making it okay or putting a pretty bow on it because it's still devastating. There's somebody missing from your family, but you're making grief. Okay. For For trip eventually. I mean, he doesn't get it yet. Right. Um, but you're integrating this in a really, really beautiful way. That's going to keep her memory alive, going to keep it as something super significant for you. But also, I mean, your son will always know that he has a big sister. Oh, for sure. Whether he likes it or not. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so Francie just turned two. And so like with, we always wear pink on her birthday Mm -hmm. or leading up around her birthday. Anyone who's ever wearing all pink, like today we were at lunch and a little girl had her Valentine's outfit with pink sparkly boots. And Mm. that's like, reminds us of Francie and like her little symbol is a butterfly. Someone got us a sympathy card that said, butterflies are postcards from heaven. So anytime we see a butterfly in a book or Mm -hmm. on a walk, um, on a TV, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, in our minds, Francie saying hi, um, and that she is with us, um, always. And we carry her with us. Um, I especially tell people trips are second child. Um, now as, as I said, you know, that might not look right for everybody. Um, it is a little awkward and uncomfortable, mainly for the other person. Me, it's my story. Um, and I might not but share that forever through the hard yeah. part. So you right. can share whatever piece of it you want. Right. That's yeah. what looks like honoring her to me. Looks, mm. you know, looks and feels like, and she's my daughter. She's my first child. And uh-huh. we, you know, visit her grave and mm. celebrate her as much as possible. And good. Jane, thank you for sharing Francie with us. Of course. And I love talking about her. I know. That's why I knew you'd be perfect for this because you still, I mean, you did such beautiful work emotionally with your grief, but also like, I think sometimes people go through this and they say like, I can't touch it. Like that was my grief. I don't want to see pictures. I can't. And for them, that's perfect. Right. Like you're saying, everybody gets to do it so uh, personally and intimately right. to them. But just the way that you outwardly love and show Francie, mm-hmm. um, I just think your love for her is beautiful and profound. And one day when I get to glory, I, I hope to be able to tell her that because you guys have yes. and you do continue to show your love for her really well. So thank you for sharing, um, the story. And let me also just say that, um, Jane and Martin have done some beautiful work with cuddle cots and creating, Mm -hmm. um, and getting, if you don't, I mean, give me a quick commercial. If somebody is listening to this and they're like, I have no idea what a cuddle cot is. Give me a quick overview of what a cuddle cot is and why it's important. So a cuddle cot is essentially a cooling system that's placed in a bassinet that you, you know, would use if a child was born alive. Um, and it allows you to keep the baby with you in your room. So it keeps the baby kind of cold enough to preserve their condition, but not too cold. Um, mm-hmm. as if they're coming from the morgue, um, that's dark, but this is our reality. <laughs> It is your reality. So it allows parents time with the body um, a little bit longer. Now, hospitals typically do not fund cuddle cots. Dane and Martin Mm -hmm. have um, done some fundraising to Mm -hmm. uh, 
get some cuddle cots to put them in local yeah. hospitals uh, and the hospitals, which are really important landmarks to them and their life or love journey. So you guys are amazing. I adore you both. Well, and I'm just super without you. Oh, well, seriously. Well, it's been my honor and my privilege to walk it closely with you. All right, everybody. That is my sweet friend, Jane and Martin and Francie and Trip. Now Trip and joins Trip. the gang. So yes. everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode. I hope that you have a great week. Go out and thrive. Bye y'all. <laughs>